hello, and welcome to Temple of a False Spot, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. Welcome to episode 75, halfway through this season, which nice. means we got Temple's Treasures! For those who don't know, Temple's Treasures is our fifth episode every season, where we talk about underused, underplayed cards uh, that uh, you play, and people go, what? What is that? Can I, can I see that? What What do you want to do with this? All right. Um, so we have some rules. It's generally uh, under 2,000, maybe 1,000 decks. Eh, it, it's wishy-washy. Yeah. Uh, it's... Oh, two th under 1,000 decks on EDH Rec. Oh, thank you. Because we want to give you something that you probably don't already know about, and we're sort of saying, you know what? If it's less than 1,000, maybe you don't know about this card. Yeah. Uh, it has been printed... Its first printing was before 8th edition, yes. so it's got Old Border. And is 8th edition like the old... Is that... That's the... 8th edition was sort of the cutoff for modern. Okay. The idea being that if you were playing a modern playable card, it had the new border. Oh, okay. Yeah, so which it's... isn't... It's pre-modern. Yeah. Uh, and I think that were... The, that's like the two restrictions. This week we've got White Sorceries, yes. I believe. Um, if I said something else at the end of the last episode... Disregard that. Yeah. Uh, we're doing white sorceries. Uh, got a few. Uh, and, uh, wow, I really jumped into it. Yeah. I will say, and I mentioned this to Andy just before we started recording, so I'm going to repeat it for all of you. And I literally said, stop, save it. He did. So I'm saving it. Here it is. Where are all the white sorceries? I don't know. Uh, They're all instants. All of the, the cards, yeah, all of the cards that, that, that I was running... Mm -hmm. That were white. Apparently weren't sorceries. They were apparently instants. Or all the white sorceries <clears throat> that can do anything are good enough that people play them. Right. Which, I mean, I have a hard time believing that one. But. It certainly seemed that way on our, on, on my search. Um, yeah, I think I, I counted and it was for commander, <clears throat> uh, commander playable, as in legal. Commander legal. Uh, cards that were under a thousand decks. I think there were about fifty mm -hmm. white sorceries. It was. Right. I was like, this is such a small number. How do it you is. pick? Um, but just as we found with black sorceries, where black sorceries were all about mill, were all about uh, hand discard. Mm -hmm. White sorceries are, are just all about gain life. At this stage, at this stage of magic, yeah. If you were playing a white sorcery, you were probably gaining some life. It's That's it's weird seemed to be where it was going over and over and over again, and I was just it makes, amazed. That it makes sense from like a macro perspective of it like does. this is what white does, but like to have a sorcery that just says gain some life, it it's underwhelming. Especially when I'm looking at commander decks for mm -hmm. now. One, it's a sorcery, so I want if I'm going to play the card, if I have to play the card on my turn, I want it to do something more than just gaining life. Right. And I think if I'm paying even one white mana at sorcery speed, I'm, I'm not even sure that gaining 10 life is going to be enough for me to play the card. In fact, <laughs> I don't think it is. I feel like even in like decks that want life gain, like Heliod or something, where like you get a benefit, like you're a Johnny's Pride Mate type yeah. decks, where it's like you get a benefit for gaining life. Gaining one instance of 10 life isn't spectacular even in like casual 60 where it's mm -hmm. like you know half your life total i think that 
uh, you know, ten obviously ten instances of one life gain is better, uh, but you're not going to find that on a card. Right, and I think what we're seeing nowadays is card does something, mm-hmm. and you gain a life. Mm. So you know, pay X, draw three, draw X cards, gain X life. There, there's always something else that goes with the life gain to make it worthwhile. So yeah, so like I said, a lot of these older cards. Where it was just straight life gain, I didn't. I haven't included them on the list. I, I yeah. just don't know that that. I feel uh, like I mean, maybe in a really narrow deck, yeah. it might work. But if you're trying to storm off with just life gain, <clears throat> then go for it. Uh, yeah. But uh, I, mean, I think that uh, that brings the count down to about thirty to forty cards that are uh, more than just gaining life. Right. Um, and it just I don't know. It I would be surprised if we still. I, I don't think we've had o- any we overlap. Not had an overlap yet. yet. I would be not surprised if this was the episode. I would not be surprised either, and that also leads to the next point. Andy and I have not discussed our lists. No, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, do you want to start, or do you want me to start? I will start because go man go. My first card is the first thing I instantly thought of because I've seen it played before. I'm surprised it's not an instant because it's death or glory. Uh, Death or Glory is part of the... We already have the overlap, just um, like that. I figured we did. Um, It's part of the the factor fiction cycle. Uh, So that's why I was surprised it wasn't an instant. I've seen this card played, and I was like, I need to keep that in mind. It's only 50 cents. Uh, It's in 479 decks. It's four and a white for sorcery, obviously. Mm -hmm. Separate all creatures in your graveyard into two face-up piles. Uh, I'm just reading from the card. I don't have the oracle in front of me. Remove the pile of an opponent's choice from the game. So exile that pile. uh, And the other goes directly into play. Uh, Right. So obviously this deck works best with green or black or both. uh, Kind of filling up your graveyard and then evening it out. Or having a friend pick the better pile. Well, all of the tricks that we all know Mm -hmm. for fact or fiction... Yeah. Apply here. Oh, absolutely. The difference, though, is that your opponent for Factor Fiction is, is making the piles, and here you're making the piles. So if I'm making the pile for Factor Fiction for Andy, depending on the state of the game, I may very well choose a pile of five and a pile of zero because I need Andy to, to get all the cards because we're working hard to try and take somebody else right. down. With Death or Glory, you're kind of rolling the dice a little bit. Yeah. Because if you're going to pull five creature cards and put them... Uh, what is it? It's, it's put all... Put them into two piles. It's all creatures. Oh, all creatures. So if I put From all your the creatures in my graveyard in one pile and nothing in the other... It's a gamble. you really yeah. got to be confident that they're going to point at the pile with all of the creatures and give them all back. Yeah. I'm surprised this isn't a red card. Uh, <laughs> I feel like with it this might card have been now, yeah, I feel like with this card, uh, like you said, um, it's it's a bit of a gamble if you're going to go that way. But even doing an even distribution, your uh, your opponent will have an easier time deciding which pile, uh, if only because like with with uh, factor fiction, they have to decide like okay is is. Andy, for instance, me, uh, is Andy going to uh, want this card in his hand or in the graveyard right. um, and do that for every card? 
Right. With this, I'm clearly showing, like, either I think that they're evenly split, in which it doesn't really matter which goes directly onto the battlefield, or uh, I'm showing specific synergies in one pile, and they're either going to go for that one or not. Uh, So I think the the opponent has an easier time with this card. Uh, But to its benefit, especially over uh, Factor Fiction, I mean, Factor Fiction, sure, three mana instant, amazing. Right. Um, with this, you don't have to play any of the cards. They're immediately onto the battlefield. You get all their ATBs, which, I mean, 90, 95, I make up a number, 95% yeah. of creatures in Commander have ETBs. Right. Um, so, like, that's kind of the purpose here. Uh, and it, I don't know, it's just like a well-timed, especially, end game card. I look at this and I say to myself, how many creatures do you need to have in your graveyard for this to be worthwhile? And I think so much of that is going to be dependent on the creature. Mm. Uh, if you've got four two-mana creatures in your graveyard, you're no, you know you're not going to get help from anybody, so you're splitting them into, t- into a, you know, two in each pile. Mm-hmm. Well, you just spent five mana and a card to get these two underwhelming creatures back into play. <laughs> However, if you've got two larger creatures... Even getting one of them back, well, you paid five mana, which is probably what you ended up paying for the card in the first place, mm. and now you're getting it back. You know, maybe you don't get to pick which one, but you get one of them back. Definitely. Um, and when you consider the cur- where the curve is at on this card, I think it makes sense. Uh, a lot of a lot of white decks are going to be running with either a lot of small creatures, in which case. You've probably seen a ra- your, the board get Wrath once or twice already, mm. so your graveyard is packed. Or you're running a deck that has a handful of angels, in which case you're getting, hopefully you're getting a couple of angels at least out of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I like the idea. I think it's interesting too, because uh, it, I mean, it does the thing that I know you and I both like, which is to just not necessarily a mini game, but like a, a little, it, right. it breaks up the monotony of all right, land, spell, turn, go. Like right. it, it gives you not only choice as a player, but also just like it gives your opponents. It it gets them in on it. Yes. Like it's it's extremely inclusive in terms of the the table. Right, so. and I think part of the reason we don't see this a lot more mm-hmm. is mostly because of what you said at the start. You're generally going to want to play this with with a with a color that can pack the graveyard. Right. Well, the difficulty then is the pile that you get one pile back on the battlefield, the other pile of cards gets exiled. Mm. So now you've got no creatures in your graveyard after this. It's that's not oftentimes that's not what you're looking for if you're running uh, you know, if you're running a color that can load the graveyard, it's usually a color that can then take the cards out of the graveyard and get them into play. Yeah. So it's something to keep in mind, but I like this option. I like the, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's a living death for white. Yeah. And nobody else gets to play along. So no. that's, uh, I, I, I really like that. I really like the card. Yeah, I, I find it interesting, uh, the, the point you just said, where, like, sure, you'll be exiling half of your creatures from your graveyard, but, like, if you've got, like, very big creatures, say you even have two I don't know, seven cost creatures in the graveyard. You're getting one of them back for five mana. For five mana. And on top of that, like, after playing Lelia so much, 
I'm realizing that, sure, you can't play the things that are in exile, but it is making me reconsider every time something's gone to the graveyard, just in a general game of Magic. And if your deck isn't filled to the tens, or like if you're just not like completely going in on that strategy, sometimes it's okay that things just get exiled. Like it's not a huge thing, uh, especially if you're paying five mana to get huge amounts of value. Yeah. I love this card. My first one. I went down a little bit of a different path with this one. So it's Empty City Ruse. This is Never a, heard of it. This is a one... It, it costs one white. It's a sorcery. And yeah, I'm going to read the oracle text for the card. Okay. Target opponent skips all combat phases of their next turn. All combat phases. Yes. So if you have an opponent who's playing red, who gets a combat step and then they get to untap and have a second combat step... They don't get any of those combat steps. Mm-hmm. And this is not... I'm not saying this card... It, that you should be playing this card... Because your opponent is probably playing red... And they're probably taking extra combat steps... Because that's insane. What I'm saying is... This is a a carefully constructed fog. But it's target opponent... Skips all combat phases of their next turn. So this is different when the opponent... The target opponent is the next person who's playing. Mm-hmm. As opposed to the person who just played. Because mm. now everybody knows that that guy is not swinging. <laughs> so there's no repercussion for other people to tap out and go after that guy. Unless it's unless one of the other people are, yeah. are looking to, to right. go in. But I just I love that style. Um, I love the options that come with it. Uh, it was something. It was something different, and the idea of stopping somebody's combat, and everybody knows it. It's sort of like this early warning sign fog. Yeah. And everybody gets that that notification. This is not happening. Not a concern, uh, especially when you get to the later game, where you know, it's like I can see on the board this next turn when they that person swings is going to be miserable. Maybe it's not even going to come at me, but... But now it might. <laughs> well, now it's not going anywhere for next turn. Yeah. I think what's interesting with this is that, like, especially if it's the person who just went and they did an alpha strike of sorts or they spread it out with all of their creatures or even most of their creatures, right. they're pretty open uh, for attacking because there isn't an immediate uh, kickback like you were talking about. But, like, you know that their everything of theirs is going to be untapped next turn. So you know that the possibility of even getting in next turn is going to be more difficult. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're most likely going to be using this against an opponent who already has a lot of creatures. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be hard to get through. This is, this is less about an opportunity to swing at them and more about everybody gets a reprieve for one round and you know it going into your turn. Yeah. So I don't have to prepare defenses. I can I can tap creatures to do other things. I can, you know, I can tap max out my mana to do something else without them having to think I have to keep a combat trick up. Um, and I really like that idea. Uh, a couple of things, though. This is a Portal Three Kingdoms card. And as far <laughs> as I can tell, it has never been reprinted. This card costs $35. It's unlikely to be a card that any of us are going to be picking up anytime soon. But yeah. 
I love the idea. Um, I love that, just the way that style of uh, that style of card was set up. I should mention uh, on EDH rec, it is only in twenty five decks. Uh, it, that would be zero percent of all decks. Hmm. I mean, I expect it's part part of the reason is because of the scarcity and the cost. But yeah. Um, either way, it's out there. I kind of like the idea, mm. uh, and uh, you know, check it out. Definitely. Andy, what's your next one? My next one is uh, named for the set it came out in, Prophecy. It's another one, a single, a single white mana sorcery. Reveal the top card of your opponent's library to all players. If it is a land, gain one life. That opponent then shuffles the, their library. Draw a card at the beginning of the next turn's upkeep. All in all, single white mana for a draw a card. Was it named after the set it came out of? It's not in Prophecy. It's in Homelands. Oh, I don't know. It's in sixty-three decks. <laughs> I, I took a shot and I, I failed. Sorry, everyone. Uh, it's a single white mana uh, to draw a card. Yeah. Uh, it's a delayed draw, but, like, I mean, it's white. Whatever. Um, also, if somebody just tutored something to the top of their library, well, uh, <laughs> they shuffled it. Granted, you know, this is why you tutor at the last possible second, but... Um, I mean, just a single white for drawing a card, I feel, is great. Uh, a lot of these cards, because they're sorceries, if you are playing a blue deck or a black deck, like they're easy to get back, uh, whether it's get target card out of the graveyard or sorcery or whatever. Um, even in some red decks, you can end up getting it back. And so I, th I think just the, I don't know, it is, I understand, a card for a card. But uh, the the nice thing with it is adds to storm count and uh, disrupts any sort of shenanigans that your opponent's right. doing to change up the top. Um, I understand why it's in 63 decks. I'd, I'm not fooling myself into thinking it's a great card. Right. Uh, but I think it definitely belongs in more than 63 decks. I, um, just ignoring the idea that I mean, reveal the top card. Right. Who cares? The key part here is shuffle. Mm. If they have done any, if your opponents have done anything to stack the deck, if they have done anything to put cards at the bottom of their library for their or, Grenzo deck, well, for, whether it's whether it's Grenzo, whether it's a blue deck that's you know that has uh, you know anything more yeah. than Scry one, right? You get to mess with them. And that shuffle is a wonderful thing. So uh, it, it's also sometimes helpful. I know that I've been in plenty of games lately where the first couple turns I'm just like I should have statistically drawn a card, and if somebody could just shuffle my deck for me, right? Uh, and you know, do keep in mind this is old school. Yeah. So you don't draw the card right away. No. You get to wait till your opponent's upkeep. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it's it's fun. It's wacky. It's uh, it's a cheap card, uh, and if you have any ways of copying it, I mean, since Strixhaven, there have been so many ways in generally not white uh, to just make a copy of sorcery on the stack and go from there. You know, right? Uh, so with a little bit extra effort, you can 
get more than one card out of it. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, for those of you who are looking at the card, uh, I recommend doing a quick search for Issen's Shade. It's I-H-S-A-N apostrophe S Shade. Um, that's uh, That would be Issen's Shade that you can you can see in the eye. Ah. So. I thought it looked recognizable. Little, little Homeland's... Uh, little Homeland's... Uh, and make sure uh, make sure you uh, go into the old printings because it was apparently printed in Masters twenty five. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, but um, yeah, yeah, it's it's whatever. It's a perfect middle of the episode card. There we go. What's your next one? My sir? next one. Uh, my next card is well, I went with another one mana uh, sorcery, uh, Divine Light. Divine Light, one mana, sorcery. Prevent all damage that would be dealt this turn to creatures you control. This one? The one that's on my list? Oh, that's I got it. the one. When it uh, rains, it pours, everyone. There we go. Uh, now, it's a sorcery. So this is not something that you're going to be able to spring on your opponent as they're attacking you. Mm -hmm. That somehow suddenly gives you know makes your creatures quasi-indestructible. This is... Uh, this is uh, a sorcery that you're going to play before your combat that makes it very obvious to everybody. You're going to need to adjust how you decide to block. Right. Because my creatures aren't taking damage. Yours are. So keep that in mind, and then you get to swing. And I like the, I like the idea. Um, it was, uh, it's just something different, and it's, uh, it's interesting to see white uh, with a card that is very... Uh, that is very aggro as opposed to something that can often be very defensive and trying to keep yeah. creatures alive. It's interesting because it's very proactive in terms of, uh, you know, you don't know how they're going to block, but you're very much like, you, you know, whatever you block with is probably going to die. Uh, like you're very, you're, you're, you're telecasting your, your move yeah. by doing this, but also at the same time, like, say it gets countered then you know not to attack uh it it definitely gets more interesting too when you start combining it with other colors like green or black where you can give things death touch and if you're playing white right. they're like white weenie death touch and it's you know mm -hmm. uh your small things aren't gonna die but whatever gets blocked their thing will probably die right it's uh it's definitely a fun little thing that i think uh is good for if you are slightly behind and it's starting to be end game. Uh, I feel like white decks find them yeah. themselves in that position quite a lot, where you're you're just a little behind and you just either want to get a lot of damage in or kill a lot of their things. This will do one or the other. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, this also fits into your uh, any of your cat theme decks. Mm. And for those of you who haven't seen the card. You don't know what I'm talking about, but trust me, it works with the cat-themed decks. It's also interesting, uh, this works very well specifically with Vigilance, which is a white, generally, yes, uh, ever evergreen keyword, where, I mean, you know, you want to do a big attack, but you don't want to leave yourself wide open. Yeah, this... If your creatures already have vig Vigilance, I mean, Divine Light, this is just a freebie. 
Yeah. Swing in. You're either doing damage or, or you know, hopefully you're taking out a few of their creatures. Um, it just just makes uh, makes combat that much more. Yeah. Uh, it adds a wrinkle to the combat. Um, notably, this doesn't make them indestructible. Uh, so no. they are still open for things like route, uh, which actually had a surprisingly low number of decks it was in. I think it was like 2,500 yeah. or something. So I didn't choose it, but right. uh, that card's great. Um, yeah, anything more about this card? Not really. All right. I can see from your list that we don't have any more overlap, but I only have one left <laughs> because of the overlap. Uh, so we'll take a break. I'll use the, the washroom. We'll be right back. Uh, here, here's a little word from our sponsor. Uh, see you in a minute. This episode of Temple of the False Pod is brought to you by Prophecy. Because I can tell the rest of this episode is going to be freaking awesome. Prophecy. Oh, okay, we're back. It was so funny, Bruce. You're so funny with your funny quips. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. Let's see if my prophecy is true oh no i feel like i'm being made fun of <laughs> uh welcome back we're talking about some white sorceries from before eighth edition that are in under 2000 decks on edh rec because uh they're cards that you need to know about uh my third so we usually choose four cards each but because there's been so much so much overlap i only have one card left uh and um you know, and then we'll talk about Bruce's other yeah. two because somebody was more prepared than I was. Keener. Hmm. I'm a Keener. What can I say? Catherine Keener. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go with that. Okay. Um, my last card. Actually, you know what? Let's alternate. Let, let's do you first. Sure. Uh, my next card is Tariff. Uh, Tariff. It's a sorcery for one and a white. So you know. Costs twice as much as the other ones I've oh already talked gosh. about. So it better be good. Uh, each player sacrifices the creature they control with the highest mana value unless they pay that creature's mana cost. If two or more creatures a player controls are tied for the highest, that player chooses one. I like this. I yeah. like that Like from, from a very quick glance, it feels like you're taxing them. I mean, obviously, it's called Tariff. Um, but they have a very simple choice. They can just sacrifice it. Um, well, the way I see it, if the most expensive card that you have on the board mm -hmm. is probably only, is say three mana. Mm -hmm. Well, you can pay the three life to save it if it's that good. Or you just give it up because it's just not that good. If you've got a card that costs, costs six or seven mana mm -hmm. or more, well, then it's going to be worth paying the life you're not paying the life you're paying mana right you're just paying the mana again yeah so then it becomes a case of you know if you're tapped out then you don't even have a choice right and that's essentially how to, how how the tariff is going to yeah. work you don't get the choice the other piece about this mm -hmm. is the oracle text never says target mm. so if it turns out that the most expensive card on the on the board or the, 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 the most expensive the, the most, most expensive creature yeah, yeah is a creature that has protection from white, is a creature that Indestructible. is... Indestructible. Whatever. Yes. 
You're or untargetable. Yeah, right. Or untargetable. You're sacrificing it. This this has nothing to do. This doesn't go after the creature. It yeah. goes after your opponent and forces your opponent to do something, which gets dodges around, yeah. around all of the ways to protect your creature. Gets around hexproof. Gets around ward. Gets around uh, what's the third one? Shroud. <clears throat> yes. Uh, it's great. Um, and I mean, like, it's specific enough that, like, it on the surface it feels very restrictive. But if you really think about it, how how often, you know, say you have a six mana creature out, uh, and I play this against you, how often are you going to have six mana up to then just pay for the creature again, you know? Right. Especially on my turn. Yes. Because <laughs> this now, is a sorcery after all. Right. Now, this being white, it's got to be fair. Mm. So even your creature, even you have to pay this for your creatures. Now... If you're playing white, you probably have a choice. If you're playing white, you probably have a choice. They're all Your three choice mana. Your is probably going to be three yeah. mana, so you're going to pay an extra three. Right. Or... Just kill the creature. Or just kill the creature. Bring uh, it back with uh, the, the other one. Yeah, and bring it back with Death or Glory. <laughs> um, but it's just... It's there, and I like cards like this that force you to look at the, look at the board... And make a decision as to whether or not now is the right time to play this, or is it better to wait a turn to play this? You know, how you know how tapped out are they going to be the next turn? What's right. the situation right now? Can they pay it or not? You know, will they have to jump through other hoops? Um, or you know, are you looking to spend two mana to make sure that they can't counter your next spell? Right. So it's like, okay, you have enough to pay it. So are you going to pay it? And let me cast my next spell, or are you going to lose your creature, and then I'm just not going to cast my next spell? Right. I like this idea as it being that uh, sort of a buffer for the next uh, for the next card that's going to come out, you know, as a way to sort of uh, bog up your opponent's uh, ability to tap. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's it's definitely a card that I almost put on my list as well. Yeah. Um, I can't say why I didn't. Uh, other than I just didn't. And I mean, even if I did, then it would just be another overlap. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, I will say, uh, tariffs in 182 decks yeah. on EDH rec, uh, and the cost is 50 cents. So it's, yeah. this is, you know, this isn't uh, uh, Empty City Ruse where it, it, you're going to break the bank to get it. And very cool Kev Walker art, because, you know. Yes. Um, very nice. My last card, uh, people are people are gonna go crazy over this one because they think it is what it is on the surface. It's three white mana, white, 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 for cleansing. Cleansing says, uh, for each land, destroy that land unless any player pays one life. So uh, the card seems much more intimidating because it says all land is destroyed. Players may prevent cleansing from destroying specific lands by paying one life for each land they wish to protect. Effects that prevent or redirect damage may not be used to counter this loss of life. Uh, this is, for all intents and purposes, a game-ending card. You're against your opponent, they've got 12 life, but they've got, you know, 20 land out or something. Uh, and they can either pay 20 life to save all of their land, or zero life and destroy all their land or more realistically somewhere in the middle right. uh, but basically it is saying you are going to be doing damage equal to how many lands they have now like you said this is white so it's got to be fair and you have to do this for yourself but 
you're playing white, so, like we said earlier, you're probably playing life gain in some capacity. The other part yeah. is, how does white ramp nowadays? Treasures. Treasures. How does everybody ramp nowadays? Well, <laughs> yes, but white, yeah. white uses a lot of treasure, which means that even if you're paying the one... Right. And just having to tap all of your lands to stop this from happening, stop from losing them, you still have all that treasure on the side. And, you know, there's a benefit there. Yeah. That, that nobody was thinking of when cleansing was first made. No. And, like, the way I do see this is that generally your opponents are going to want to just take the one life per land, unless it costs them the game. And then you're at an advantage at that point anyway, and you can follow it up and win the game. So, you know, for as much as much as people talk about land destruction, especially mass land destruction being garbage or, you know, hateful or whatever, I feel like this card does a nice balance where you're doing it to yourself, and it's not just destroy the land. They can save it, and if they don't, you have a very clear, easy way to follow up and kill them. Uh... Because if they're not saving their land, it means they want to save their life. Which means their life total is low enough that you can then follow up and deal the damage. Because it's white and you'll be attacking. Right. Um, I think it's it's. I think it's an easy card that, to uh, abuse or use defensively. Mm-hmm. I, I strongly urge you that if you use this card, do not use it defensively. You are going to You're gonna pay. elongate the game... <laughs> in any way and you're going to immediately lose so i also like this card as a way um white oftentimes has a lot of abilities that say if you have less than this amount of life Mm. or if you have you know an exact number of life and this is a very easy way to get to to set your life total to whatever low number you need to set it to um what's interesting too is that it also sets your land total so, say, you know, with land tags or what's that, Knight, Knight of the Accord? Or, Knight of the White or- Orchid. Well, and then there's the, the, the new one. Oh, yes. They're all, you yeah. know, if you have less land than your opponents, yes. this is an easy way to do that uh, to an extent. I mean, you're using three white mana, but uh, it's, it's definitely got its uses beyond just the, oh, I'm destroying everybody's land. Sure. Uh, I, I think it would be an interesting thing to see and play without having to try to abuse it. There's also uh, the Chi stands alone. Mm. Uh, I forget what the uh, what the legal yes. version of the card is, but either way, it says if you control no permanents other than that card and have no cards in hand, you win the game. Well, there is, that is one way to make sure that you don't have any lands. Yeah, it certainly gets rid of a lot of permanents that are oftentimes difficult to get rid of. So. Um, yeah. Baron Glory. Thank you. How many decks is uh, cleansing in? Good question. Uh, 159. Nice. Or somewhere around there. Uh, $15 because it's on the reserved list. Only printed in the dark. I know we were going to each discuss four. We had a little overlap. Mm-hmm. So I had a little bonus card to throw into the mix. Well, this will be your fourth card. I guess technically it will be. So my fourth card, <laughs> my fourth card, and I say it that way so that way you can picture the uh, the air quotes. The air quotes um, is Pegasus Stampede. 
Um, Pegasus Stampede is uh, one and a white, and it uh, it says put a one one white Pegasus creature token with flying onto the battlefield. But more importantly, it has buyback, sacrifice a land. Oh my god! So I guess if you want to pair that up with some cleansing, <laughs> that's uh, it's certainly uh, <laughs> certainly one way to limit the uh, limit the hurt on the cleansing, but. Um, I've always got a kick out of this card just mm -hmm. because of what it could do. Right. The idea that, you know, if I have 10 land, I can get five Pegasus tokens. That just seemed like something that was interesting. And then the buy with the buyback of Sack of Land, well, uh, I mean, especially now with, uh, what's it, Crucible of Worlds? Oh, yeah, it's, it's getting reprinted. Right. So with Crucible of Worlds... You're just recasting those lands from... Uh, Replaying them, yeah. Yeah. So, in essence, you don't have to use up all the all the mana and sack all your lands on the same turn. Mm. Play it, sack one land. The next turn, that land comes back into play. You play it again, and you just and you can do that repeatedly. Um, yeah, or... And it's not costing you the cards, so... Yeah, or get this, I mean, under Isochron Scepter, and you've got infinite... Uh, <laughs> uh, what's it called? Uh, horses. Pegasus. Pegasus. Um, I mean, not that I think any of us in... any of Anybody in our meta plays Isochron Scepter, generally. Uh, but, I mean, it's, you know, two mana tap, play the spell for free. Uh, yeah. And I think, like... If you're just doing it, doing that, then that's like a perfect, perfectly reasonable use of Isochron Scepter. That's right. not broken. You're making a one-one flyer. Yeah. Pair this up with Mesa Pegasus, and I mean uh, Pegasus. Sacred Mesa. Sacred Mesa. Yeah. Um, Where you have to sack a Pegasus on your upkeep hmm. to keep it in play. <clears throat> um, the benefit with the with Sacred Mesa is that you can just spend two to add another add another Pegasus token which is part of the reason why I think this one never really caught on even back then right was because with Sacred Mesa it was virtually the same rate <laughs> right so it really didn't seem to make a lot of sense to be sacrificing lands yeah to get to recast something that was a 1-1 flyer now we're talking about white here these are never going to actually be 1-1 flyers when they swing they're going to be 4-4 four, four angels Right. They're going to be 4-4 four, four angels, or they're going to be even bigger than that because you've got ways to pump your tokens. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, take your pick. Um, you know, or, or Audric is out. So mm. now they're not just flying. Maybe now they also have Vigilance and First Indestructible. And or Indestructible or whatever. Um, it's just an easy way to, to fill the air yeah. with, uh, with flying horses. And nobody wants to be underneath a flying horse. I'm sure some people do. Hooves, hooves hurt. Oh, that's and, what we're uh, going for. And 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 then there's you know, I don't know. I've seen some weird stuff on the internet. Horse poop. Yeah, I've horse seen poop, some weird stuff on the internet. Uh, it is currently in 89 decks on EDA track. Um, and yeah, I just I love what the I love what this uh, what this card offers the the weirdness of it. Um, yeah. I think that I mean with all these cards, uh, every time we do this, they're 
not going to be amazing because if they were, they'd be being played. Uh, but I think that what we try to do here is just find those special niches and kind of be like, hey, look, like if you're willing to not break something, then have this card. Try it out. It could be fun in these scenarios. The, it's fun to look at the interaction um, as a social uh, mechanic in this card, you know, with whether it's death or glory or uh, tariff or cleansing. Like, it, there's there's more to it. There's, there's choice based around the table rather than just, I'm going to do this and this and this and this and not interact with anybody. Uh, and that's what I love about this series that we've been doing. Um, right. And I mean, a card like Pegasus Stampede, mm -hmm. put it with, uh, where's it here? Rumor Gatherer. It's a 2-1 creature for 1 and 2 white. Uh, it has alliance, and it says, whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, scry 1. Mm. Uh, if this is the second time the ability is resolved this turn, draw a card instead. So you get a, you know, so you, this, uh, the Pegasus Stampede can easily put out two creatures for you to, to, mm. uh, to both be able to scry 1 and then draw that card you put on top or find the next card if you yeah. put it underneath. I'm sure there's ways to break this. Um, oh, yeah. But I think it's just like a fun little goofy token generator that has the flexibility to be replayed. Right. Um, and that's that's very nice. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> the the buyback cost is paid before you find out if it gets countered or not. So uh, <laughs> that's always the downside of buyback. Yeah. I, there's very few doubt inside to buyback. That is the one. Uh, I mean, I guess buyback generally is expensive, but um, yeah, I love this series because it just it really does bring out these cards that you'd look at and you'd be like, meh. Um, it gets me excited to to build new decks. Right. Um, there have been so many times that I've I've looked at this exercise and I'm like, oh, I wish like we could choose something more recent. But, like, that's not the point of this. I mean, I'm sure we'll get there. Um, we'll get there. But, uh, yeah. Anything more about your Pegasize? Not particularly. Um, just, I know that I've, I have run plenty of decks that run buyback with, mm -hmm. uh, with serious, with a serious drawback. And, you put it in the right deck, and it works. Um, and, sack of land sounds rough but in the right deck you just make it work yeah and i think that that's kind of the general rule for all of these like yeah. you're saying like uh in the right deck these are pretty sweet cards sure. um but i think that's gonna do it but next week you know i mentioned earlier that i kind of wish that we did more recent cards right next week we're gonna come back we're gonna talk about cards uh that you might have missed since you know since being out last, we know uh, we know that we know that a lot of our listeners uh, have have suffered through COVID, and maybe you weren't paying as much attention to the cards as they were coming out in the last couple of years as you probably wish you had. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, a multitude of reasons. You know, we've got the we've got the pandemic. We've got even just an overwhelming number of of product. Right. Uh, and while I'm not tired of it, I can understand missing cards here and there. Um, so we're going to dedicate a couple episodes either the next half of this season or one now and one later um, and kind of talk about some cards that you might have missed, whether it's because it's buried in a commander precon or uh, you just missed it. 
Right. I mean, I know I personally have been missing a lot of commander-based cards because uh, there's just the precon decks. There's right. just so many of them now. Just something to keep in mind. Where this is not going to be uh, where we go through a bunch of legendary creatures. Right. Uh, I mean, we we're going to be looking a lot more at cards that are. Uh, Cards that cards that you're going to that you're going to be wanting in your decks to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to say staples, but um, definitely we're not. Yeah, like I said, we're just not going to be looking at looking at a list of commanders that you may have missed and you should try out. Right. This is, this is going to be more much more than 99. So yeah, and I think even beyond that, like it's going to not focus on a lot of the cards that have either been reprinted in these sets like your your dock sides like we're not right. like you know it had its double masters reprint yeah no no we, we all know cards that are brand yeah. that, that are new from the last two years and uh yeah um i'm excited about that i'm excited about all of this i'm excited about this episode uh but uh i just bought a new precon speaking of which oh i need boy. to shuffle that up before our first game so yep. uh that's gonna take a while let's get to that Thank you so much for listening. We're Temple of False Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. Thank you again for listening. Have a great night, and may your fifth land be the temple. Bye! Wait, wait. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you for listening. You can reach out to us via email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com. Or on Twitter, at FalsePodMTG. Bruce is at ManaBurned, and I'm at AndyWeekend, though you'll definitely notice I use the podcast Twitter far more often. Now that we've got you here, make sure you subscribe, like, rate us on uh, whatever podcast platform you use. It helps us out. It gets us more reach. Subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. Uh, Like a video there. Leave some comments for more casual enjoyment. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with some more timeless discussions about all things casual. So come hang out, and may your fifth land be the temple. Bye-bye. Should I do my best, Bruce? Bye!